on this episode of the I-501CU, the podcast for nonprofit board members, I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing Dennis Murphy. Dennis is president and CEO of Gulfside Bank. He's been in the banking industry for 21 years and is actually the founder, one of the founders of Gulfside Bank. But the reason I interview him is because he was the board chair for the Greater Sarasota Chamber of Commerce, a 501c6. So I hope you'll enjoy this interview with Dennis Murphy. Hey everybody, this is Michael Corley. Just wanted to let you know, we are now sending out a weekly, very brief newsletter, tips, tricks, pointers to nonprofit executives. That includes both board members and CEOs, executive directors. If you're interested in receiving this, please go to thecorleycompany.com forward slash newsletter and you can sign up. Once again, that's thecorleycompany.com forward slash newsletter. Well, welcome to the I-501CU, the podcast for nonprofit board members. We're taking a little detour today. We're actually interviewing the former chair of a, a 501C6 organization, Dennis Murphy. Dennis Murphy is the president and CEO of Gulfside Bank. Dennis, welcome to the podcast and share a little bit about yourself with the group. Sure. Uh, so as you mentioned, I'm the uh, president and CEO of Gulfside Bank. We are the only locally owned uh, community bank here in Sarasota or based in Sarasota. Um, we are just about four and a half years old. We uh, launched in the, the summer of 18, raised the capital, put the, the group together, the filing, and, and uh, opened in November of 18. So um, uh, it's been a good run. We've got a great team, um, but you know the bank has all the products and services that you'd expect from a bank, uh, but with a little bit more of a local feel. We uh, really take the time to get to know our clients. There's no 800 numbers, and you're dealing with really qualified bankers that um, – uh, really, you know, take a, take pride in helping their clients achieve their dreams. Um, so we, um, uh, like I said, we've got a main office here in downtown Sarasota, the corner of Fruitville and Orange. We're about to open, we, we've actually got a loan production office out in Lakewood Ranch, and we're about to open a, a, a third location, which is a second full-time branch. Uh, it's in the construction uh, development phase right now, but it should be open around this time next year. And it'll be... Um, uh, just east of the interstate off of Fruitville on the uh, southern kind of area. A lot of folks know the new development that includes Cooper's Hawk. Uh, it'll be basically right across the street there. Um, so kind of the, uh, I guess it would be south um, eastern quadrant there at, at Fruitville and the interstate. Um, but like I said, got a uh, got a great team here and um, we're growing the bank and and we honestly feel like the better our clients do, the better the bank does, and been very fortunate uh, so far and look forward to continuing to make a difference in the community. Well, I've absolutely enjoyed watching the growth of the bank, and I am partial. Uh, and yeah, not impartial. I am partial because I'm a client of the bank, and everything you said is exactly right. You do have a, a wonderful team. But so you you started this bank four and a half years ago, and yet you found time to serve the community. So somewhere in there, you joined or were already involved in part of the board of directors for the Greater Sarasota Chamber of Commerce. You ultimately became the board chair why you're so busy you've got a family you've got a, a business you're running why would you volunteer your time to at the sarasota chamber you know as a community bank um our ethos is about supporting and giving back to the community and, and what a better organization than be a part of uh, than the chamber of commerce it just really does so much for for our community for the business owners for the for for the fabric uh of of what makes you know uh, this area a great place to work and live and raise our family so 
Um, ironically, I had actually been a part of the board for a handful of years prior to uh, starting Golfside. So that kind of naturally transitioned into continuing on. Um, I started out, I got really involved in the chamber back, goodness, it was probably 2008 or 2009 around then when I went through the Leadership Sarasota program. And um, that was just a great experience because not only did it teach me so much about the inner workings of what goes on in Sarasota and how the, the government sector works with the private sector and the various, you know, arts and cultural organizations and the, the you know, the, the, uh, the media and, you know, so you got a, a really in-depth look at all the various facets of Sarasota, but it also introduced you to a number of uh, folks in, involved and active in the community that are, that, that many of them I'm still active and involved with and I call friends. So, um, it was interesting, you know, I'm not naturally the most extroverted person in the world, but, you know, when I remember early on before I went through that program, sometimes I'd go to an event and, and I might know a person or two, but as I'm working the room, I'm a little bit more hesitant because I don't necessarily know folks. I never felt like that after I went through that program. I felt like every time I went to an event, uh, I knew someone and, and they knew someone and a lot of it stemmed from my involvement with the chamber. So is that kind of uh, gradually went through. After that, I stayed involved at various committees and ultimately got involved. Of course, you need a banker on the finance committee, right? And so uh, got involved in the finance committee at the chamber, ultimately led to me being the treasurer and the treasurer sits on the board. And so I had an extended period as the treasurer, uh, probably five or so years that I was the treasurer of the board. And along the way, um, continued to maybe take on some additional uh, leadership, you know, uh, and various little projects and things we were working on and ultimately um, uh, was tabbed to be the chair. So it was kind of a natural progression through there, but I'll tell you, um, it was a, a great experience. I, I, I love the chamber and all it stands for. And so it was, uh, it was part and parcel to just giving back and being connected with the community. And so you're, you're the board chair and what is the role of the board chair for the Chamber of Commerce, a 501c6, which I do want to talk a little bit about in a minute. But what is the the exact role? What were your duties? Sure. So it's a number of things. I tell you, obviously, you are going to uh, convene and lead the, the board meetings. And the convening and the scheduling is really done by the staff and all, and they do a great job of that. But at the end of the day, you're you're leading those, excuse me, those meetings and the discussion. And, um, and so that's one part of it. Um, you're also involved, if there needs to be, in the governance, uh, any board governance-related items. Um, on top of that, um, let's see, you have, um, you know, staff. So every now and then, I mean, Heather Caston does a wonderful job there. She's a she's a top-notch professional. And one of the things is the board chair. Um, I wanted to be as supportive of her as I could be, but I didn't want her uh, feeling like I was, you know, running the trying to run the show i mean she does a great job of that and i didn't want to micromanage the process so really it's staying involved with her um if there's strategic decisions things she's considering she wants your input on uh providing that um it's attending you know meet not not just the board meetings but you're part of the uh the governance and kind of strategic council as well as i stayed on involved uh, with the finance side of things you're attending like uh, COBA meetings, which are the coalition of business associations that made up of a number of the uh, the local organizations and the chair of the chamber and the uh, and the president CEO, so Heather, uh, attend those meetings and that's part of it. And then, you know, I always wanted to be part of, of the networking so I could stay close to the members and figure out what's important to them. 
and what we should be working on and what those kind of components are. So, um, like I said, it's, it's a bit just, you know, presiding over the meetings. It's a board, it's a bit governance, but really it's supporting Heather and any of the things that she needed. Um, and I tried to be there as much as I could for her, uh, but not too much. <laughs> so it's always balancing that, um, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, when someone's a, a, a professional like she is, she doesn't need me meddling and taking away from what she's doing. It's more of a, how can I uh, help her with any of the decisions and things she's facing. So, well, and I, I think that's a sign of leadership maturity because sometimes it's tough for a leader who's leading an organization, especially as a chair, not to jump in and get a little bit more involved than he or she should, just because you have a natural proclivity to do that. And I'm, I'm sure Heather appreciated your your relationship with her. So, Dennis, can you talk a little bit about? So, the Chambers Board is pretty big. I mean, it's a large board. How, as chair, how did you? look at managing that board, interacting with board members. What was your role in that regard? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's the good news is while it's a very large board, it's a board of a very uh, committed and high profile individuals. They want to be there. Um, so, you know, I think um, there's not as much management on that side as you might think, but I would tell you one thing that I tried to do was early on first meeting just set the kind of the, the the tone for what I wanted to get out of the year and what I wanted the board to focus on for the year. So, you know, um, we took on uh, in my my year uh, the accreditation. That was a big thing for us. So, in addition to seeking input from not only our our members but the board folks, um, that was a key component that we worked on. And we started you know kicking that off right at the beginning, saying, "Hey, this is something that we think." Is important for us to accomplish this year. Um, got the buy-in from them and and worked. So we were all kind of singing from the same hymnal, if you will. And then later um, during the year, um, something else really popped up that, truth be told, has has been a concern for this area for years and years and years. But it became louder and louder as far as the voice of uh, attack uh, attacking the affordable housing issue. So really, what we tried to do was get those those issues out early in the year. And um, we have a kind of set format of things that we look at that are approving the minutes, going through the financials, doing that. But when you go through, um, you know, your substantive issues, we, we try to build on it each time and, and kind of work through where we were on attacking those issues. And then we have um, also a lot of different, uh, I wouldn't call them lines of business, but they almost act like that within the chamber. So you've got events, you've got different committees that are doing different things, government issues. And and so we would get updates from the, the chairs of those councils and committees. So it's a very formal um, process that you go through. Um, but I think building on those things that weren't necessarily part of a standard agenda, getting them up front and then building on them um, uh, was something I tried to accomplish. But like I said, as far as the governing of a large board like that, the good thing that I, I had the benefit of is it's a highly professional group of individuals that's committed to the area. And uh, so it wasn't like we had terrible attendance. It wasn't like people weren't engaged in the meetings that that kind of piece just took care of itself, thankfully. Well, I think that's that says a lot. And, and but still, it had to have taken quite a bit of your time. So, you know, in an average week, an average month, how much time do you think it took you to attend these various events, to to lead the board meetings, to have conversations with Heather? Any idea? You know, I thought about that, um, you know, when I was talking to uh, our uh, next chair, not not the chair immediately right now, uh, Emily Walsh, who's phenomenal and doing a great job. 
uh, the one after that, I was I was trying to kind of think through that to give her an idea because she was just wondering what the commitment was just to make sure it could fit into what she needed to do. I, I think I would estimate 10 to 12 hours a month. So it wasn't as much as I truthfully thought it was going to be. And truthfully, that, that's a real testament to, to Heather and the staff. I mean, they do a lot of the behind the scenes work. So, you know, I attended the finance uh, committee meetings and I would, of course, review the package and look at the financials ahead of time. Um, I would go, you know, to the the uh, uh, board meetings and or the strategic committee meetings. They're on every other month schedule. I would attend the trustee uh, stuff, the COBA meetings. I'd have, you know, meetings kind of um, on an ad hoc basis, really, with Heather just to discuss items. So it wasn't as much of a time commitment as I originally thought it was. And really, that's because she does just such a great job leading the organization. She's got a great staff. They do a lot of the heavy lifting. So I would tell you, um, you get more uh, accolades than you probably deserve based upon time commitment alone. Well, yeah, that may be true, but you probably get blamed for stuff in the real world that you don't, you shouldn't have anyway. So it's a nice trade-off. Sometimes you take the good with the bad, right? There you go. So I know a question people are going to ask. So we, we've referenced the chamber and it's a 501c6. You also have experience with 501c3s, which is what most nonprofits are. Can you compare, contrast, just talk a little bit about those, maybe even from a leadership perspective? Yeah, the, you know, the main difference um you know, it's kind of legal and technical. I would tell you from a day-to-day -day standpoint, there's not a ton of different, you know, in instances, but um, 501c3s are more, you know, considered charitable organizations. 501c6s are also nonprofit organizations, and they generally both both are uh, exempt from, from federal tax. Um, 501c3s are generally exempt from state and local tax, whereas sixes, uh, you know, pay state and local tax generally. But the biggest is really the charitable component. So if you think of uh, foundations and other areas that are giving tax deductible you know, gifts, um, they have to go through a 501c3. Um, the, the, the Chamber Foundation had, up until a handful of years ago, um, been relatively, um, I wouldn't say, I mean, they just weren't as active as they are now. And the reason being, a handful of years ago, the Chamber of Commerce um, brought on um, Career Edge Funders Collaborative. And basically what it's doing is upskilling workers. They've got that in a program underneath it called Opportunities for All that also brings um, various grant opportunities and um, uh, volunteer type things and, and whatnot to um, minority-owned businesses. So um, both of those are funded through various foundations, whether it be uh, some of our larger banks in town. We've got Gulf Coast Community Foundation, uh, the Charles and Marjorie Baransic Foundation. So those, uh, due to the nature of that giving being required to go through a 501c3, go through the foundation. Uh, the chamber administers those programs, and uh, but it's basically a pass-through. So um, it's a unique situation. But I would tell you, for the most part, um, that's the main difference. It's just that charitable component and the, uh, the legalities of uh, tax deductives or tax deductions and things coming from foundations requiring to go to a 501c3. Um, yep. so that's kind of the main thing. Yeah. Thank you for that explanation. I mean, you, you really simplified that and that is quite helpful. I want to, I want to go back to a little bit about the leadership, your leadership and leading the, the chamber as a chair, and then also leading uh, Gulfside bank as the CEO. So what skills as CEO helped you perform as the board chair? You know, I think it's just the um, 
connecting and, and relating to people. Um, you know, one of the things we're, we're doing as a, as a bank is, is trying to grow our bank. And it's all about, you know, connecting with people and seeing what they need in their banking world, their businesses, their, you know, and, and trying to, to be there and, and listen and, and understand what we can do to add value and uh, help them reach, you know, their, their highest potential. And it's very much similar in, in the, the chamber world. Um, you're trying to connect with folks and figure out, you know, of the value proposition of the chamber, what really resonates with them. And, and I would tell you one thing I love about the chamber is they really do appeal to businesses on various levels. So there's obviously the networking and the membership side of things where folks are, are getting connected to other folks and, um, you know, networking and expanding their, their potential business through that, that vertical. Um, one thing, you know, I also like about the chamber is they're constantly advocating for businesses. So maybe if you're not into, you know, the, the networking or expanding your network component, you, you're generally probably uh, glad to have, you know, a company like the chamber working to advocate for businesses. And then last is that career edge, you know, component that I talked about. One of the biggest things we've heard about in addition to the affordable housing that I talked about later or uh, earlier is the ability to attract and, and retain workers. And so through that career edge program, um, they're upskilling and also almost creating. So they're working in conjunction with the local SCFs and the USFs and the, and the technical institutes to create, um, you know, programming right that gives the the graduates immediate access to jobs so the, the the end users are telling the the technical institute you know i've got a, a need for you know hvac and service techs and you know if you can really teach them this this and this the latest technology we've got a job for them you know day one and so connecting those um and having uh local employers have um uh, an additional pool of upskilled workers uh, right there is another vertical that the chamber has has uh, you know offered in the last handful of years to add additional value. So I really strongly believe that the chamber is adding more value to businesses than it ever has. And so I think just that um, ability to kind of connect with people, listen to see where they are and meet them where they are, um, and then make sure they know about all the products and services that the chamber offers is very similar to what we do at the bank. I hope people were listening to this. So I asked him the question about leadership and ever, ever the good past board chair. He continues to promote the chamber. The passion resonates in your voice, Dennis. And this is something we've talked about on this podcast on a couple of episodes is, is one, the power of strategic communication. And you hear Dennis continuing to, to talk about the chamber. And that is a board chair's responsibility to preach from on high the benefits of the organization and let any, everybody know about that. So thank you for being an, an example there. And then also sharing some of the leadership opportunities. Now I want to flip it though, because I did a podcast a number of, of weeks ago where I made the statement, I firmly believe that serving on a nonprofit board is the best leadership experience available because you, you're, you're serving in real time and you're dealing with volunteers and, and whatnot. So what from serving as board chair has helped you as CEO of Gulfside Bank? You know, I, first, going back to your prior piece, I would tell your your listeners that um, don't just get on a board, um, you know, just to be on a board. Be passionate about what it is that that, you know, the mission of that 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 entity, because you'll be a much better board member. You'll be able to, like I do, you know, I, I do, I drink the, the chamber Kool-Aid because I believe in what they do. I've, I've seen it 
you know, benefit so many businesses. So I think it's important that folks know that, you know, look, you know, serving on any kind of board will will help in your leadership development and everything else. And I'm sure it'll help that organization. But if you find one you're really passionate about, you're likely to um, pour a lot more into it and you're also going to get a lot more out of it. So I would tell you, um, you know, the leadership development component is really just, um, you know, not only a, a function of, of seeing how other organizations work, but I love to meet people and see their perspectives. And I think it helps you in your business because, you know, there's a lot of smart folks out there that are giving of their time and, and they bring a perspective you may not have considered. And um, I, I think, you know, the experience is gained by listening and, and figuring out how someone else may have approached a, a, a problem with a solution that may have been different than how you did. And then consider, you know, scenario wise, hey, how would that have played out if I approached it from that um, aspect? When you're surrounded by good leaders, I think it, it naturally, um, you know, uh, kind of, you know, makes you a better leader. It helps uh, bring you up, so to speak. And uh, iron sharp sharpens iron or whatever they say. I think it's it's a when you're surrounded by, by folks that are uh, are sharp and are leading their own organization, even if it's different than yours, um, if you listen, you can learn a lot. Uh, thank you for saying that and for sharing that thought, Dennis. And so is there anything you'd like to share with the audience that we didn't cover about being a leader in a nonprofit organization? In this case, of course, the Sarasota Chamber or any other organization? You know, I just think... Um, most of the time, and if you're doing it right, it's the old, it's the old adage, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Um, I know it sounds cliche to say it, but I believe it. Um, I can tell you with, with no qualms that I've gotten far more out of my engagement and involvement uh, with the chamber and, and some of the other boards I've served on than I've ever put into it. And it's not that I haven't tried to put put into it and pour myself into it, but the connectivity, the, uh, the leadership development, all of the... Um, just uh, kind of ingraining yourself into the community. Uh, I think I think it's a worthwhile um, thing to do, and I think you'll benefit from it if you decide to, to do it, especially if you decide to really commit to it and pour yourself into it. You get out of it more than what you put into it, so be passionate and do the work from Dennis Murphy. Dennis, President and CEO of Gulfside Bank, past board chair of the Greater Sarasota Chamber of Commerce. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you sharing, us, sharing with us your wisdom. Thank you for uh, allowing me to be here and, and share. Good to see you all. All right. We just finished our interview with Dennis Murphy, the CEO of Gulfside Bank and former uh, board chair for the Greater Sarasota Chamber of Commerce. And so now this is recapping with Reed. Reed, you listened to the conversation and were your three observations you'd like to share with the audience? All right. So my first observation was when Dennis was talking about the skills as a CEO that helped him as a board chair and the skills as a board chair that helped him as a CEO. And everything he talked about were soft skills, not hard skills. It was connecting with people and it was meeting with people and seeing their perspective. So only soft skills he talked about, which is really interesting. Yeah, you, the farther you go up that the proverbial chain of command, the more important soft skills really are. And the assumption is you've got those hard skills. So what is your second observation? The first meeting that Dennis was board chair, he wanted to set the tone for what the board would be focused on for the entire year. And I think that's great from a leader to be able to say, this is what we want to focus on. And he said there were some other things that popped up throughout the year, but the main focus was getting the accreditation. And it's great to have a leader that will put that out in front of everybody. 
Oh, that kind of clarity. Everybody craves clarity from their leaders. And what about the third observation, third point from the interview, Reed? As any great board chair that we've had on has said, Dennis reiterated that he wanted to be supportive to the CEO. He wanted to make sure that they knew that he was not running the show. He wanted to provide as much support as he could to the CEO. Which is he could do because there's a very strong CEO over there at the Sarasota Chamber. And that's the board's responsibility to ensure in any nonprofit organization that the CEO is capable and they have the right person in the position. So Reed, three points, recapping with Reed. Thank you everybody for listening. And we will I-501 see you next week.